Hello, hello, hello. This is Self-Discovery with Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. I'm your host, Alicia. I'm a certified life coach and an accountant. I'm also certified in Connecticut to assist with individual interactive domestic violence and or sexual abuse situation. I'm also a survivor of domestic violence myself. Self-Discovery is here to assist survivor in rediscovering themselves through my podcast with relevant topic where we discuss how, why, and solution. Before we get started tonight, I want you to get your notebook, pencil, paper, whatever it is that you can write something down. Write down whatever resonates with you. Write down whoever connect with you. Tonight, we are having part two of these gentlemen talking about abuse and how to get the abuser to be accountable. And we are going to take it from the perspective of the aggressor being male. These gentlemen are guys who do a variety of different things. They have different experience. Now, if you have listened to the podcast prior to this one, you will learn a little bit about them. They're back again tonight and they're gonna introduce themselves. We ended the last podcast with a poem from Ron. And he's gonna share that poem again to open up this session. And I hope everyone is taking note and take their information down. You can reach them through many channels of social media. So um, who wants to start off by introducing themselves? Good evening, this is Spencer Evans from New York. It's welcome to be on, the, on this uh, call with you tonight so we can get the you know, topic started and help some people. Thank you. Uh, my name is Ron McClammy. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, I'm blessed to be here for this second session of, of this uh, such important issue. Um, hope I can share and learn as well as share with each and every one of you on this call. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Eric Watson here. Um, I am here at the request of, of Ms. Ms. Alicia and uh, with the assistance of my brothers and brothers in business, uh, we are here to share some insight and some, some, some hope to individuals that are going through the many trials and relations of life. Uh, I have a business called uh, Vicky Boy Travels. It's a travel agency. And I'm also a professional voiceover actor. I turn the floor over. Hi, this is uh, Jason Modest here from Vacate a Modest Way. Follow me on Instagram at Vacate a Modest Way, also co-founder of Modest Business Solutions. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, everyone. My name is Anthony Rainey. I'm a chef for over 21 years. I'm a photographer. I'm an independent travel advisor at Intel Travel. Okay. Thank you, all gentlemen. And my pleasure to have you back again. Our first conversation was very enlightening, and I'm looking forward to the second. And so we're going to start off this podcast with Ron and his poem. He ended the last one with a poem, and I think the poem is very eye-opening and it's something for everyone to think about because in every abuser, 
there is somebody that assists them, not intentionally, not directly, but their action, either do a lack of knowledge themselves or maybe from their past or their childhood. But this poem indicates and make it clear how easy it is to go down that slippery slope. And once you go down that slope, you're going down by yourself. You might have help at the top, but when you're going down, you're going down alone. And Ron, please yes. take the floor and share that poem with us. Yes, my pleasure. Um, this is written by a death row inmate. It's written with the assistance of the Black Star Project. It's titled, Train Up a Child in the Way He Shall Go. A death row inmate awaiting execution asked a last wish, a pencil and a paper. After writing for several minutes, the convict called the prison guard and asked that this letter be handed over to his biological mother. The letter said, mother, if there were more justice in the world, we would both be executed, not just me. You're as guilty as I am for the life that I have led. Remind yourself when I stole and brought home the bicycle of a boy like me, you helped me to hide the bicycle from my father, would not see it. Do you remember the time I stole money from the neighbor's wallet? You went with me to the mall to spend it. Do you remember when I argued with my father and now he's gone? He just wanted to correct me because I stole the final result of the competition and for that I had been expelled. Mom, I'm just a child shortly after I became a troubled teenager and now I'm a pretty malformed man. Mom, I'm just a child in need of correction and not in approval, but I forgive you. I just want this letter to reach the greatest number of parents in the world so they can know what makes all people good or bad is education. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mother, for giving me life and also helping me to lose it. Your child offender. The floor is back to you, Ms. Brown. Wow, that was very powerful. And it makes me think of for every child is in a home, and a lot of people don't realize it, our unconscious runs our body. Our body doesn't need a reminder to breathe, to get up to walk. Our unconscious run everything automatically. And as children, and in the last podcast, we have just touched on that topic where kids emulate what they see. I often tell my clients, that your child will do as you do, not as you say. You reprimand your child, they'll hear you, but they'll pay more attention to what you're actually doing. And when they see contradiction, they're gonna take the action over the word. And when they see a mother or a father doing conflict resolution, how to resolve the issue. When dad tell mom to be quiet or a male tell mom to be quiet and mom continue to talk or whatever it might be and that male do something and it get the action what this male originally wanted whereas silence. That child remember that when he's in that same situation and he wants the attention of that person he's speaking to and asking them is not working, their memory automatically click in. Where did I see before how to get the result I want? And automatically, without even thinking, their unconscious bring it forward. 
this is what I need to do to get that same result. Different person, but same result I want, the end result. Abuse is power and control. It's about a person wanting and control over somebody else. And that's what it's all about. And power and control come from a variety of different ways. Abuse is no longer a physical thing. So a lot of time, guys don't necessarily have to beat on their significant other. It could be economic abuse. And once again, I know these things can go both ways, but we're talking about from the sense that since guys are the, the greater percent when it comes to abuse, abusers, then we're going to focus on that tonight. Um, abuse comes in economic. Economic could even mean the woman could be making more money, but the guy control it. Or if the guy is making the money, he control it too, in the sense that she's not working and she's home. It could have been a decision they made together. However, once you realize that she can't make a move unless he give her the okay, she can't spend X amount of money. It might've started off with good intention, but as that person realized, wow, I have so much control over this space. Sometime power go to someone ahead and where a person was never initially an abuser, they become one because the sense of power becomes so sweet and so enjoyable and they're not beating them through their mind. They're not doing anything wrong because they have not physically touched this person. But this person cannot make a spend a penny, cannot make a move without that person. Now you can say, well, that's the way a relationship is supposed to work. Yes, when both parties agree equally and that person, even though they're not working, still have a say-so to how that money is spent because that person used to contribute and it was an agreement on both sides. Abuse also come emotionally and mentally where an abuser will kill someone's self-esteem. You get with a woman who is all that plus more, whatever terminology, thinks she's all that, a guy like a strong woman. However, if he's not moving as fast, jealousy can take place. And this guy can suddenly feel, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, but I'm not gonna tell her that. She's moving faster than I am. I'm gonna slow her down. Once again, this might not be done intentionally at first, but as you're with this person, you see them grow, the animosity, the resentment kicks in because you want to feel like you are the male and you want to be the dominant of the household. And some women, yes, do get a little arrogant, a little cocky, but there's a good percentage they don't. And so we're going to acknowledge that some women do get a little arrogant when they are making more money. And with that being said, the guy will turn around and sabotage this woman. And once he knows this woman is not going to share the information, because if a woman is strong at work and weak at home, she's not going to share this. So he has control. So there's that kind of control, economic, stopping her from getting a better job, stopping her from going back to school to improve herself, economic, um, self-esteem, telling her that she's stupid when she make a decision, blow it down, shut, oh, that's a stupid idea. Meanwhile, take the idea outside and share it with their friends, it's their idea. So abuse come in so many different formats, isolating her from her friends and family. Abuse come in so many different ways, sometimes it's not visible to the naked eyes. And the women will go along with the program because she 
jump in this relationship. She picked this person. And she's often told if she come out and say, blah, 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 well, you picked him. So because she picked him, she feels she have to eat it. She have to eat it. She have to keep it a secret and hope that this person will change. So giving you a different perspective on how abuse can come about, not just physical, but invisible. It's more emotional, mental, economic, in so many ways, abuse where it's not visible to the naked eyes. How do you deal with that if a woman, if your sister, no, not sister, okay, that's too close. If a female friend of yours come up and express that her significant other, who you are probably friends with, that he is taking advantage of her, how would you tell, what would you suggest? Would you believe it? Would you not? I don't know. Tell me from a male perspective, based on what I put in front of you, how would you deal with that if a woman came to you with that situation? This is Mr. Evans. Yes. Thank you for, um, for me being part of this part two. Yes. That situation there, I would listen to you know, the conversation that we'll be having and, and, and see the story because you can't always assume you know, bits and pieces and you, you overreact. You have to get the whole story to understand before you react, because sometimes it can be not the truth. So you have to understand it and break it down. Now, the evidence that's going to be put in front of you, you can give her advice on where to go. Now, as I will you know, explain, even to the woman or just in general, when a man acts in those type of ways, one, somewhere along the line of him growing up, he was weak and broken down. Somewhere along the line of him growing up, he was weak and broken down because he feeling having these feelings. Two, instead of taking it as a positive, because as men, we go through our hurdles too, and we can be broken down and we can be in a place. But if you have somebody, your partner, that's on a positive, you're supposed to ride with that because that's the one that's close to you. That's your blood, that's your love, that's your everything. Instead of hearing it from the streets, and people telling you something and build up your ego, but they're not really there for you. The person that you're trying to build a future with, and even though they could be making more money than you, they can have a better job than you, they might have a car and you came into a relationship with no car. You might have came in with a bicycle. But that should be your motivation for you to say, you know what, let me step in my game. Yes, as a man, it hurts your ego a little bit, but I have a strong woman that's going to help me get to where I need to go instead of uh, pushing me down or keeping me down. And I would take that seriously because there's a lot of men and younger men that possibly been hurt before or once again, with the economics, no job, family situation, they didn't see no positive light. So whatever they was getting, this is, this is what my life entails. And once again, once again, as I said earlier, we can't make excuses when we have you know, options to change. And the main thing, that woman that's in your life and that's doing positive things, regardless of his economic, the job, whatever it is, you're supposed to ride with that because on the other foot, as, as men, we're supposed to be the providers and protective. So if your woman is in the same situation, you're supposed to lift her up. So now it's vice versa. But don't, don't break the chain because if you do, 
there's somebody in the wings that's watching. There's another person in the wings that's watching. And you may be shut out and there's someone along the line, if y'all don't work out, you'll be looking back on your life saying, I woulda, shoulda, coulda. And look at how she's doing now. Floor's back open. Thank you. Okay. Anyone want to take that question and add? Eric. I'll take the call out. Um, the thing is, again, you know, what was said was uh, when someone comes to you, a friend, they come to you mm -hmm. and they, they share a story with you. The thing is, how to respond as opposed to react. And if you are close to the male individual, I mean, don't come out, hey, man, I hear so and so and so and so and so and so. Uh, a, a, a response should it should be, hey, how are you doing? How? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. What's happening with you? And that, that'll give you a better understanding of what she has shared with you and also what his insight, what his insight of how he believes things are going on. And put yourself in a position where you can suggest some things or, or uh, not so much suggest, but, but find some camaraderie where you can share well you know i've gone through some things like that myself man this is what i did what do you think about that and then they'll go huh yeah and i did that and i did this and this is how it's working out now and at the end of that the male companion will now realize that there might be a different thing and he's not less than because he doesn't because the way he thought he was he was responding to something was a better way. You know, you, you, you were able to interject something good. And at the same time, if you're having a conversation with the female part of the unit, you can share some things to her. Maybe, you know, we have a tendency of always stating, not always, but most of the time uh, uh, stating what we don't like and not look at what going on with us. Mm -hmm. and to be able to have a person reflect on themselves then you can get a better un they might be able to get a better understanding of what's going on you know i i uh for a while i was in a situation when i was in relationships and i wouldn't argue and i i didn't argue because my grandparents they had a tendency to argue and I said to myself, when I become a man, I'm never going to argue with my wife. I did not understand that learning how to have a conversation about issues and being honest and sharing my faults and my vulnerabilities, that that would be a better way to for a couple to engage a lot of relationships that i i were that i was in it's because and they didn't work out is because i didn't express my honest feelings of my lack of or my inability to when i be honest with myself i find that my partner in turn became honest with me and that took away a lot of the uh, uh, aggressive attitude that comes up 
in being human and in being a couple. I turn the floor back over. Okay, I like that. Very good. Um, anyone wants to add to that? Uh, yes, I do. Um, to the question of someone sharing, of, of a, a young lady sharing a situation that's going on in her household and um, allowing me to now speak to that person being that person being the male aggressor. I think I would start with something similar to what Brother Watson said. I like sharing my story. I like sharing my life story. I've had relationships um, that have gone several different ways. Um, for the most part, um, I'm close to probably everybody I've ever been with in my life and I've lived a long life. But I've had those moments where there were disparities between the two. And I would share those stories just coming out of the blue. And I say, hey, listen, can I speak to you for a second? She said, yeah. So I'm going through a thing. It has nothing to do with you, but I'm going through a thing. And I just like your opinion on it, what you thought about it. And I would share some of the trials and tribulations that I've gone through. That people don't care, they know that you care. And if I'm going to share something that with them, I'm opening myself to them to allow them now to possibly open themselves to me. And after I've shared something, I may even go and say, So, how are you doing in your relationship? And what would you do if this situation happened to you? What would be your thoughts? I would ask them their opinion on a situation and what would be their outlook on it. Not, not sharing anything about what I was told or even giving an inkling that I have a knowledge of what's going on in the household because that can open up a totally dangerous door. But I would definitely sit back and engage in my life or the life of people that I may know and ask them their opinion on it. Say, man, do you know, man, I ran to so-and-so and he's gone through a major thing with his significant other. You know, to the point where it got so physical, man. She's in the hospital. He's in the hospital. You know, he's in jail. She's in jail. I may go that route just to get linked into the mind of a young person who is the aggressor. And once again, never linking at all. But that's to a person that I would know and that have the opportunity of having those kind of conversations. But that comes to that comes through community building. You see, when you're going outside, you're speaking to young men that you see on a regular basis that may live in your community, that may be in relationships, whether you're just saying hello to them or not, you know, they may feel in kind to come up to you and have a conversation. You can open that door. That's important. You know, we come out, most of us come out of communities where we had our neighbors, our friends, as kids, we ran in and out of our friends' homes. Today, you don't have that as much. So you have to rebuild that. So that's, that would be my outlook on how I would approach that situation by sharing my stories with them. The floor is back to you, Ms. Brown. Okay. Anyone else would like to jump in? Uh, this is um, this is Jason Modest here. Uh, from what I've experienced uh, growing up in a situation like that, I'll tell you what happened was there was an intervention and there was an intervention with the men in the family because it was a family member. And uh, we didn't even, and, and like brother, brother Ron just said, you know, it, it could be dangerous because you don't want retaliation. So what we did was, you know, we, we gathered around that person and uh, we let them know, you know, well, my uncle, I was a little younger at that time, but the, the men in the family said, listen, we don't like what we see. 
And there was an intervention there. So the first part for, for that was an intervention. That That is not necessarily always work <laughs> in the best way. Like I said, retaliation, um, counseling, seeking counseling, getting out of the situation, removing yourself from that situation, even if it's temporarily, you know, because domestic domestic disputes, any law enforcement individual will tell you is some of the worst things that you ever want to actually come across because it's 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 very dicey. You know, they may be arguing today and be lovers tomorrow. So putting yourself in between that, you know, I don't know if I have a right or wrong answer for that, but I've seen intervention. I've seen helping uh, the, the, the lady leave the situation temporarily, if need be, or full time. Um, but at least addressing the issue. I mean, if someone comes to you with with a cry for help, you should help at some point. And if you can't help alone, rally the troops, get the people who are around them to, to get involved. Because again, it's a village. It's supposed to be a village. It's not, you know, no, no, no man is an island. So, you know, I, again, I don't have a definite answer, but judging from what I've been uh, around and I've seen intervention is definitely a plus, but again, it is a very dicey situation. And I, I believe even getting that help to remove that person from that situation would be in their best interest, especially knowing that retaliation might come. Back to you. Okay. I like that. I like everyone because there's really no right and wrong answer in this situation. This is barely about expressing how individually would interact in that situation. And to the fact there's no wrong and right, and it's about stimulating other people out there to let them think if something like this happened and someone would come to me, how can I assist that individual to the best of my ability without causing retaliation, riff or arm to myself, or even the person who's abuser shot him where he doesn't come for help because you want to help the young lady. But if you can also get that person to open up so they can start moving forward. So there's no wrong and right. It's just stimulating the brains to open other people's mind to think of how it would work for them in that situation. So go ahead, Anthony. Yes, and you're absolutely right. There's no wrong or right. But I I truly believe that some people rely on the false tendencies of what love is. And when I say the false tendencies of what love is, some may find love that may, okay, we have this argument and it escalate into that. Oh, I still love you. But is that a true sense of love? And then also, I think you mentioned that when uh, uh, the man, when a man restricts, uh, how you say, I think you mentioned that uh, what they do, how they do, brothers, they finance, that's a sense of control. Mm -hmm. Some men may think that, oh, that's a tendency of love, but that's not. What you're trying to do 
is control somebody and a better have to your benefit. And that comes from a lack of insecurity. When you try to go control, control someone, and I personally feel, because you may have a lack of insecurity in yourself. So if a man have a lack of security in himself and within himself, what best way to bring out his security is to control someone else? Is that right or is that wrong? It's definitely wrong. And what that leads to, it may lead to physicalness. But in itself, and um, I'm just, I was trying to take some, some notes and, I, and I, it's all jumbled. But um, just like I just mentioned, it's a sense of control, point blank. Yes. So another question I want to ask, and let me know where y'all stand on this, you know, in, in relationships. And once again, um, what I'm saying doesn't cover every male, but these are some of the things that take place based on the environment that I, people I counsel, people I work with, place I volunteer. Women can get raped by their significant other. The thought process is usually these guys feel because you are my significant other, whether it be girlfriend, wife, whatever it is, you're my significant other, so therefore I'm entitled to it. And you cannot say no to me. And most women don't press charges. So what are your thoughts on a situation like that? In the sense that nowadays a woman feel uncomfortable calling the cops because when you call the cops, if you are a minority, you worry about your significant other. And also, some guys believe that you can't rape your significant other. She slept with me last night. She slept with me an hour ago. I wanted seconds, whatever the case might be. But the women have the right to say no, regardless what she did an hour ago or five minutes ago. Do you think that's a little confusing? Or do you understand the perspective of someone just being able to say no? And believe me, it goes both ways too. Guys do get raped by their significant other. But um, once again, we're talking um, about this, the aggressor being the male. Uh, this is Ron McClammy in reference to that question. Mm -hmm. um, it can play out, once again, it really depends on how that young man has been mentored through his life. It also plays out, and I mentioned counseling earlier, if this is something that's been happening more than once, and this is a situation that occurs uh, not just at one time, it happens whenever he feels like it is, he wants it to happen, and it may not be um, the same emotion at that time of his significant other. There's a lot of that. I, I truly believe there's counseling that needs to be had. Um, prior to the counseling, I, I asked that question, how did his mindset get like that? Um, Growing up in my household, I've never heard my mother screaming as a child saying, yo, get off me. I've, I've never heard that, you know. Um, so I would have to ask, you know, what was that child exposed to as a young person growing up? And how can we change that dynamics of what they're, um, what they see and what they hear? You know, we spoke about that in, in, our, in part one. You know, that's so important because as I said, children are sponges. 
And a lot of times they sponge up these kind of attitudes and personalities based on the things that they've been exposed to. So as, a, as, an, as an adult, how does the, what is the, um, the process of the significant other who's being raped, whether it's man or, or woman, in this case, the woman, um, therapy, sitting down, talking. I mean, you, once again, you don't want to necessarily call the police because the police can come in and kill everybody. You know, uh, um, not just the aggressor, but the person, the person who's a victim, you know, just based on the moment. So you do want to reach out. You do want to speak to someone who has a level head. It may be a family member. It may be a family member that has a level head that's willing to pull that person aside and have that conversation with them, you know, and, and try to reach the core of what's happening with that. Why is that person raping? Is he taking out something that happened to him? And he's taking out, taking that out, taking out whatever he may consider to be pain out on that significant other. So there are a lot of variables there, but you have to look at it, you know, one by one to sit that person down and truly see if there's saving in that relationship. It may not be. It may very well be that we need to shake hands and move apart because of this particular personality trait that doesn't seem to be able to be changed. But I truly believe that um, counseling, whether it's counseling with a, 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 counsel, a certified counsel, professional counselor, or you're sitting down with a group of men that can help you with that, you know? So to, to get to a point where you understand what you're doing and how you're affecting your significant other. That's my thoughts on it, Ms. Brown. Floors back to you, ma'am. Okay. Anyone else would like to jump in? All right, yes. yes. Justice Ms. Evans. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Rape is, rape when no is no, regardless of what the situation is. No is no. And people gotta understand, if they look in the dictionary, sexual intercourse is an emotion between two people, not one. It's an emotion between two people. Rape is an emotional with one person. That's rape, when the other person don't have that emotional feeling. Okay, and people don't understand that. Regardless if it was 20 minutes ago, you had intercourse, an hour, whatever the situation is, no is no. But once you try to break down somebody's um, mental and physical being, their emotions, now you're taking, you're destroying, you're breaking down. And when you put in situations, we talk about the conversation of rape, that alone, regardless how violent may be, how subtle may be. And the woman says, no, no, but you know how much damage you can cause of that? You, you take away self-esteem, take away their livelihood, take away their self-being of self. And, and one thing I'm gonna say about for the men and the men that listen to this podcast, don't be afraid to be emotional. Don't be afraid to cry out. Don't be afraid. It doesn't make you weak. And I'm going to say that to how many people that's listening to this podcast. My name is Spencer Evans. If you need to talk, you can, you can reach me. You can reach the brothers in business. That's what we do. And that's what we stand for. But like I said, no is no, regardless of what the situation is. And I don't care if you married 30 years, 20 minutes, intercourse was an hour ago, no was no. And remember, rape is emotion with one person. Sexual intercourse is an emotion with two people. Floor is back open to you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. 
Brother Watson here. I, I, I appreciate that last comment, uh, Brother Spencer, because, you know, um, sexual intercourse is supposed to be consensual. Anything other than that is what it is called. It's rape. And, the, you know, the word is consent. Consent. I'm allowing you to do something to me with the belief that I'm going to be doing and the something is exchanging our emotion, whether it be lust or love, at that particular moment so that we can enjoy ourselves and get a better understanding of who we are. It's once again going back to powerlessness. I'm taking this from you. I'm the one who has the power. And many times as, as uh, uh, any young man will get married and there's going to be uh, someone that says, uh, no matter, even, even if, you're, even if you're, your female spouse happens to be older than you. And remember now, you're the man. Whatever you say goes. That's a bunch of BS. Don't work that way. Not in the real world, it don't work that way. And you'll figure that out. <laughs> when you find yourself looking like Al Green. <laughs> and, I, and I really mean that. You know, I really mean that. Um, you want something, and I'm, 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 I'm a, a spiritual kind of guy. You want something so that those chakras can work right. You don't, you don't, you don't want uh, that crazy stuff going on now because it's going to come back and bite you. But yeah, it's about consent. And, it, and it's the other thing with consent it's called respect. Respect yourself. Respect the other individual. Goes a long way. My mom told me that when you meet somebody and they respect themselves, nine times out of ten, they're going to respect you. I turn it back over. I agree. I agree with everyone. Um, you know, rape is a very fine line. Because a lot of women also were told that when your husband asks for it, when you get married and he comes for it, you know, and it depends on the tradition of your parents. You know, the older the generation, there are a lot of compliance in things that's not even appropriate, but they just went along with the program. And that the younger generation get older, you know, grow up, they realize it might have been compliance with ma, grandma, but is not mentally healthy for me or safe. And therefore I'm going to have to say no, because I'm just not in the mood for whatever that might mean or whatever it is, I'm just not in the mood. And so therefore um, it comes down to power and control at the end of the day. Even if that person never thought about it and it's not usually an abusive person, the fact that someone told you no and you felt the need to not acknowledge that person response, emotion, feelings, and just disregard it and said, you know, you said no one too many times, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever. That's just, that's just a sense of disrespect. And it comes back to power and control. And it could have been you had a bad day and this day you need to take control. 
It might have been the first time you have done something like that. Something could have been going on for you outside the home. And this is the only place you can be dominant. I'm throwing out there a variety of different reasons I have heard in speaking to people that have been in that situation. So based on the different things that just add to the dynamic of this, this person, first time this person have actually taken control and actually assault their, their significant other sexually. And it stemmed from not being able to be in control of their life outside the home and come home to take control and show their power. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what do you say to the guys who that might have happened to, or it might have crossed their mind, or they might have had a bad day and come home to someone who they respect and respect them. And that person is just not flowing with them the way they would want them to do or not being agreeing with them. And they're just frustrated. What would you say to them, how they should deal with that situation? I'm just watching here. Yeah. Verbal intercourse, <laughs> if it's done right, is just as important as physical intercourse. Mm-hmm. If you have a situation where you're going through something and you want to feel a certain level of importance and power and dominance, and you're ha- and, 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 and you're able to communicate with the person that you love. Well, the person that's in your life about your shortcomings, about your frailties, about your inability to understand something, and you sharing it with the right person. In so many ways, that's a that's just as much as powerful as the greatest physical climax that you can have. Because now what's happening is that there's a greater understanding and connection between the both of you. And as Brother Spencer said, one of the things that, and I will really believe this, a lot of individuals who are abusers, they don't know how and they don't want to connect with their softer side because if they do that means that they've lost not understanding that if you're able to communicate these things to somebody who loves you and you love them it actually makes you stronger because now what's happening is that the both of you are able to utilize what you felt was shortcomings as a thing to better build you up I turn the floor back over. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is Ron McClanning. Okay. Um, to this, I would say communication. Um, probably piggybacking a little bit about what Brother Watson said. Communication is key. Um, being able to communicate not only with your significant other, but with yourself so you can better understand who you are. So you can better share that with your significant other. I, communication is key. Um, sitting down, talking, understanding those things that you desire, those things that they may desire, 
understanding how we're going to get there is it's just so very important. I think we lack that because we lack the understanding of communication. You know, we know how to yell at each other. We know how to ignore each other. We know how to not even embrace each other, but do we know how to communicate? Whether it's, like Brother Watts said, physical um, connection, sexual connection, we don't communicate. We need to learn more about that. Um, we need to learn that like yesterday. So that way we can have better relationships. Our children will have better relationships. We have better family dynamics based on our level of communication. And I pass the floor back over to you. Okay, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, one thing I would like. I'm sorry. So you want to say something? Yes. Yes, go right. I can add on the aggression, the emotions from men. They have to understand who they are understanding themselves, then it's just like being sick. We go to the doctor, they give you two Tylenols for the situation, but they don't give you the, the right tools to stop the situation. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with aggression. Somebody will tell you something, but how can I stop it? You know, and that's the thing, you know, it has to be figured out. And once again, when you learn how to and a lot of men, it's very hard for them to break down and cry with their partner. A lot of men, it's hard because they feel they're going to be weak. Their partner ain't going to respect them. They say, oh, you're not a man. And they're going to think they can get a better man. No. Your partner, you should be able to break down and cry. Break down and cry regardless of what the situation. I'm not talking about no funeral or because you lost your job. I'm talking about emotionally when it's you and your spouse of any situation that's taking, taking place, especially when it's coming to discomfort in the home and the relationship. And even if you're wrong, even if you're wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And as you stated earlier, eat that. Say I'm wrong and eat that. Because once again, you're letting your, your significant other know that, okay, you're wrong and sometimes she can take the lead or she can be right. And it's not she's going to use that against you, but it just now we're on an even playing field of understanding. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like I said, a lot of men are afraid to break down in front of a woman. And there's nothing wrong with that because like I said, now she's seen a virtual side of you, okay, where she can say, okay, now I can see we can work on some things. But moving forward, but like I said, aggression and different things that the topics we're talking about you can't just take a pill and say here and it's going to go away you got to find out how you can stop it from coming back how would you alleviate it for it to you know saying uh go on submission and all that good stuff and just like i say you know in my conversation just like medicine they give you two Tylenol they say okay here's for your headache but how am i stop the headache from coming back mm -hmm. So that's the things that has to be worked on with the men that is having these situations, the men that we're trying to have conversation with, the men that we're trying to lead. And you see men that have sons that can possibly fall in the same footsteps. Falls back open to you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to um, start wrapping this up, but I'm going to ask each of you one question. And I would like your insight on this question. I'm going to start with Jason. Are you around, Jason? Still, still here. 
Okay. So we're going to get ready to wrap it up. I'm going to ask each of you one question. I would like your insight on it. So for Jason, for you, what's your thought on today music, the way the music talk about women and set the tone for guys to come out and degrade and just talk about women in a negative way. Yes, I know women also rap and do the same thing, but we're talking about once again, the male being digressed. That'll be another conversation about the women. But for the guys, hearing all these rap, call the women this and that and how they're this and that and realizing that throughout the world, other country, other groups identify black women especially as what the record call them. And that's all they know of the same way most country know of black people by what they see on TV and what the commercial and what the movies tell them who we are. So what's your thoughts on that? And what would you say to the young people who idolize these rappers that make these statements? Wow. Um, you know, it, that, it's, it's interesting that you would bring that up because I was listening to uh, a lecture between Boyce Watkins and uh, what is his name? Um, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name, but he is a, he, he's an influential uh, person in, uh, in Black America when it comes to historian. And he, he, he commented that uh, he saw a change in, in uh, Black culture when the music changed. And we started disrespecting our women and, and degrading ourselves. But it's, it's just weird that, you know, we are really the only folks to do that. There's no other culture that does that. Chinese don't do it. Indians don't do it. Arabs don't do it. So, you know, it's like there, there, there should be like a, a reset. There needs to be some kind of a reset. And we go back to what I said in the beginning, where it begins in the home family structure. Uh, a lot of kids just, they don't have morals, values, things that essentially make you into the man that you need to be or make you into the adult that you need to be. That sense of value, that sense of, a lot of these kids are lacking structure. You know, I myself, I'm a father. My son is 22 going on 23 and uh, we do things different. And I've enabled him to be able to see the world from a different vantage point where it's not, don't just follow, question everything. Um, you know, what, what do I say? To, you know, is don't follow. Don't, don't be a follower. You have to be a leader. You can't just follow everything that's out there because everybody's just jumping off the same cliff. But it goes back to the home and, and the structure. Uh, you know, my thing would be don't follow. But again, the bigger issue here is the structure and these folks coming out into the world, where are they coming from? 
what what are their backgrounds their their family structure their their upbringing that says a lot because now you come out into the world you're hit with everything that you see how are you able to handle that if you don't have a, a, a strong rooting upbringing strong base that wind blows you tipping over Okay, I agree with you. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a part A to that question because you stimulate something in my mind. So value, morals, and value morals, you know, they all come, there's societal, environment, and the home. And when you have a good foundation, because we have to keep in mind, Black people make their money off these music. And so therefore, there's motivation to make these music. And do you feel that if the foundation in the home were stronger, they could hear these music and not emulate them in feeling that they need to act out what the music has said? I'm going to pose that part of the question to somebody else. Yes, yes, ma'am. Anthony, you answer that part of the question, please. I I was trying to write down something. And um, last part of your... uh, question was kind of sketchy. Okay. But, uh, and wait, wait, let me repeat it. Wait, 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 wait. Let me repeat it. Okay, the question yeah. was, based on what um, Jason has said, I decide to you know, stimulate something in my head. So therefore, I wanted to add a part A to it. And the part A is, with a strong foundation of value morals in the house, do you feel that they can withstand, because I'm changing it around again, because this is just a thought, they can withstand these music because keep in mind, these young people that make these music, that's their way of getting ahead. And once again, society only allow them because we have to remember who operate the entertainment world and what is allowed to come in. And that's their way of getting out there, leaving there wherever they're from and to make ends meet and strive. So do you feel with a strong foundation, these music will not impact these young men? I don't think it have nothing to do with the foundation. And the reason why I said it, it's just like, you know, and I know some of the found, and I, I don't think I'm going to get into it, just like Spencer knows. Spencer and I know some of the four founders of hip-hop, where it originated from. But this is what the industry sell. And if you look at from the beginning to where it is now, and what sells? If you look at some of the forefathers that's still out there, it doesn't sell because what the industry wants to sell right now is what you hear. Mm-hmm. It's what you hear. And the masses is hearing it. They don't want to, I want to say they're not those who don't want to hear the positivity. But when it comes down to numbers, when it comes down to numbers, the, what we hearing right now outweighs the positivity because it's money involved. So, therefore, and I'm not trying to because this is I'm not trying to lose my discretion. So, therefore, a strong foundation may have something to do with not the masses because if it has something to do with the masses, we wouldn't be listening to well, well, they wouldn't be putting out what they putting out right now as far as what they're hearing. 
But I, 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 this like it's just like rock and roll. A lot of people that had a strong foundation of rock and roll, and they call that the devil music back in the days. But look where it's at now, and um, and you look at the terms. You look at you look at where where um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say where hip hop started to where how they the industry gave this classification of rap music and all rap music is not hip hop, but they saw what put it in the same gentry. It's just that um, the parents didn't like rock and roll and where did it last? Just like we may not agree with some of this music that that's transforming these youths right now, but uh, it is what it is when it comes to music. Okay, I'm going to come back at you. Over men now. We had to go back to the question. Do you feel with a strong foundation in the household that when these young kids hear the girl is a this and the girl is a that, da, 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 that they will take it just for what it is, the music, and not apply it to their life? Because we know that the music that is out there is based on money. But we're going to, give, we're going to give, forget about the money because it is what it is. The money we can't control unless we open up our own industry, but we're not going to go there. Let's just focus on you being home because I hear that music. I don't listen to it. It's not something I would have played myself. But if I hear it, I don't go out even at a young age and would not call my, you know, whatever, so-and-so. So I'm asking, do you feel the young kids with a solid foundation with their values intact? Do you feel the whatever it is, the derogatory music would have such an impact on them or they will be able to take it for what it is, music, and not apply it to their life. If, strong, if the foundation is strong, yes. But what kids do at home, what they do on the outside, you don't know. That's I'll just leave that there. Okay. I'll I, I, I say yes. I mean, at home, they be maybe listening to gospel music. But in their heart, they want to deal with trap music and all that other stuff. So we'll we leave that question on the table. Yeah, and keep in mind, if they were raised in the church and they want to sing that wild music and be derogatory, but they still will respect their sister outside, they wouldn't call her the da-da-da. They would sing it. But when they see her around, they would stop. And if she's into that, they would sing it together, but they would not. There's a difference between saying a word and calling somebody the name. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So there's that aspect. So my next question, let me see what question I'm gonna, ooh, I'm gonna ask. Eric, my next thought is this. What do you think about guys who were assaulted as a child and were shamed by other guys if they knew about it. And therefore, do you think the majority of guys who were abusers stem from that and being ridiculed and beaten down by their count by the you know other guys instead of you know what's your thought on that? Would you? 
It's interesting that you bring that up to me. Um, and the reason why I say is because I happen to know someone who was physically abused by his uncle. And uh, his recourse to that, even though he was happily married, he had outside relationships with as many women as he possibly could have. And one always was always wondering, well, you know, his situation is such, why is, you know, he's always always up in somebody's face. But what the, what came out of it was this. He was able, and we hit on something too, especially when we said foundation, because foundation basically is your values, your morals, your principles, and your convictions. Mm -hmm. All four of those things bring about your foundation. But this gentleman had a strong foundation and he was able to let go of embarrassment and to be honest about what happened in his life and express to the people that he cared for, this is why I act the way I act. This is why I do this, because as a young, as a young boy, damn near into my teenage years, I was fearful that I would have a different sexual orientation based on the abuse that I went through for all those many years. And the thing that frees you up is to know that the memory of what happened has nothing to do with how you're living today. Your memory allows you to be wiser than other people your age so that you can be like this brother was and be able to share this because even though he was the one to expose himself, how many other people were exposed in that conversation of men that we were talking to of various ages? Ah, Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. But then he said he was raised by his grandmother. So that has a lot that has a lot to do with it also. Being being raised by an elder has a tendency to give you a spirit of an elder. Not disregarding our, our, our community has been plagued abundantly with the fact that the system has done all they can to eliminate us from our elders. You can't move on if you don't know your beginning. You can't share something if you have no idea of what it is. Every man on this phone knows when they put a rope around our neck, they pulled our pants off our buttocks to expose our genitals. I turn it over. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Spencer, my question for you is, narcissist. That's a very popular word nowadays. Been around for a long time, but ever since the last presidency, it become a focal point suddenly everybody's a narcissist. It's the biggest word used loosely 
used every day, all day. However, we all have a sense of narcissist in us. Self-preservation, self-advocate. We all wanna be seen and we all wanna be heard and we all want what we want, just a matter of how we go about it. In order to survive and be successful, you have to have self-preservation. You have to be a little narcissistic. You have to be a little. Narcissist, like anything, there's a spectrum. It can be a little, it can be a lot, it can be in the middle. Situation, change our narcissist, each one. We all fluctuate, nobody that is standstill, but we all don't cross that line to be the extreme. So with that being said, what are your thoughts about a narcissist when it comes to abuse in the sense that they will break a woman down, they don't change, they cannot be changed. Their behavior cannot be changed because when you're an abuser, that's a behavior that can be untaught. You can change a narcissist. There's no changing. You are what you are. What would you say about a narcissist and the possibility of getting that person off this woman back? Because a narcissist is very aggressive, very manipulative, a smooth operator. Give me some insight. How would you handle a narcissist? Okay, for me, this is uh, Spencer Evans again. A narcissist, how I would handle that? Mm -hmm. Fight fire with fire. Because if I see that's the power that you possess, and I see this is how you're doing to a young lady, me as a man, I will apply the same pressure on you. Because like I said earlier, there's some men that feel like they have to take control of the woman. They don't want to feel less of a man if they have to take a step back or they have a downfall. So they have to break you down to make their feel, make themselves feel better at any cost. It could be emotional, physical, financial. This will happen because they need to be at this level for you to look up at them. Now, even though they try to break you down and change an hour, an hour later, like everything's all right, but then that's what a switch back over in a matter of seconds for the slightest thing. Just to remind you who has the power, who's in charge, you less than, to keep you always in that closet and, and show to you that they, they have their key. But someone such as that, sometimes they have to be put in, the, in, in their place because I have seen from experience that when they are put fire with fire, they tend to back down and they become the biggest babies in the world. They become the biggest babies in the world. As a word that we, we may say, game recognize game. So lots of time they have to be put in that place. It takes another strong individual to handle that because there's people been doing this all their life. So they gain momentum, but there's always a link somewhere always a link somewhere and you have to find it. You have to find it. And once you grab a hold of it, you can pull, pull them back. 
Now, for that man, just we talk about relationship, for that man, when he's doing such thing to the woman, a woman, I know she's going to be mentally and physically destroyed and broken down, but sometimes she has to take that pill and say, listen, I have to do this for me. I have to do this for my kids. But sometimes I might have to stand up at all costs. Because sometimes you have to look that person in the face and say, listen, if this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. And like I said, from experience, I've seen a lot of narcissists that have this power. But once somebody else stands up to them, they break down and they are the biggest babies in the world. And then now they mind, mindset changes to I'm the victim. I'm the victim. So that's my input on that. And just from experience, like I said, from my background, dealing with such th things as that, because like I said, being in the medical field, you see things going on, but you only can go so far, but sometimes you, you have to push the envelope. Sometimes you have to push the envelope for the better, not to terrify the individual. Sometimes you have to push it for the better. And some people may need that little wake up call and say, wow, what I'm doing to, to her, somebody just did it to me. So now they're like, wow, I have to, something has to be changed because now I'm exposed. I'm exposed. Okay, I'm gonna interrupt for a minute. Keep in yes. mind, a narcissist will not genuinely admit he might succumb to the moment to say, woe with me, but it's a temporary to get out. Narcissists have no emotion, no empathy. They will do what they have to do and they can play the role. So if you were to corner them and they had to get out, they will plea, I'm a victim and say they're going to change, but they have no intention of changing. So you have to keep that in mind. So with that being said, and you work in a medical field and seeing different individual in that position, what do you tell women out there as far as some of the things that they can help themselves to identify a narcissist in the beginning of a relationship? I have to throw that in there. Okay, no problem, I got you. For one, is the verbiage that's being used in conversation. It's verbiage. You can have somebody can sweet talk you or you can have negative conversation. Body language. And as we're talking about things that's happening now in relationships, as uh, Mr. McClammon said, you have to pay attention to the individual that you get yourself involved with. You can't just take and say, oh, the world is beautiful and blue. You have to do your homework, as we say. Do your homework. Do your homework. Things may look good. Do your homework. Because like I said, bike language and different things and watch the, the shift like a bipolar. Watch the shift. Because like I said, a lot of them have some mental issues a part of the nauseous. And you have to watch the shift. And you have to pay attention to that. And just don't just say, oh, it's going to be all right. He's going to change. Or it's just a moment. He's stressed out today from, from the job, stuff like that. Pay attention to those signals. Pay attention to those signals. And then once you see those signals, if you can't have that conversation with that person, you need to speak to someone and get some advice. I ain't talking about 
Sally or somebody that don't know no better, so you can't go to them. You have to get some advice so you can understand how to handle that because at the end of the day, you got to go back home to that. You have to wake up to that. You have to cook and clean to that. So you have to find that niche where you can figure it out and then for however long you want to stay, because as you said earlier, some people stay with it just because for the home, the children, comfortability. Sometimes you got to take a loss to regain yourself back. You have to take a loss to regain yourself back. Thank you. Thank you. Ron, Ron the man, got a lot for you. I pose to you, it's gonna be multiple. Now we just finished talking about narcissists and mental. Now, there's the difference, a narcissist, 90% of the time will not show is true color in public. Whereas somebody who's mental, if they're gonna be violent, they're gonna be violent in the house, out the house, up the corner, around the corner, cause they got mental issue. A narcissist to the public, standby and citizen, perfect man, gentleman, everyone who knows him think he's the best in everything. So with that being said, a mental person, how do you help somebody who comes to you? How do you recognize being a man and observing, seeing this person interact with this female that you are close to? Not, not relative, but you know them and you see it. How would you come in and assist and tell the public, because this is conversation, there's no wrong and right. This is about stimulating people to think outside the box. Give us some insight. How would you handle the situation to identify, to help this person realize that either this person is mentally off or just a plain narcissist and give them some guidance? Okay, um, thank you for the question. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, this is Ron McClammy speaking. Um, well, first of all, I'd have to find out what that person's buy-in is with that in that relationship. Because sometimes they get so bored and no matter what you say to them, they won't hear it. So my first thing is to speak to that individual who is being subjected to that, or they open to be able to change. Even though you said they came to me, doesn't necessarily mean they're open. They're weak, they may have been weakened at that moment. That moment does not mean they're ready to make a change. So the first thing is to get the buy-in. Are you ready to make a change? If I suggest some things to you, would you find yourself able to opt into those things? Whether it's, once again, I go back to counseling, whether I go back to something that um, Brother Evans and most brothers we spoke about earlier on, is knowing where that person comes from, knowing that family background. What is the dynamics of that, of that person? Did you buy into something because it was a pretty face? It was, it was great sex. What did you buy into? Was it financial? What did you buy into? What is your, what is your vision of your life? Where do you want to take this relationship? Where do you want to take your life, your family structure, if there's children involved? So those are the questions I would be asking. Those are some of the questions I would be asking of the victim. How I would help to change that is once again, counseling, sitting down. Would you allow me to sit down with that person? If I knew that person, now are we talking about people that I know, by the way? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if if we're speaking about people that we know, and I've already got the buy-in of both the the of both uh, uh, partners, then I definitely will pull the male partner aside and and have straight up one-on-one -on -one conversation. Once again, not to be aggressive, because it's interesting. We talk about personalities. I've done a study of colors. A lot of people say I'm a red. <laughs> and um, so we talk about the different personalities within that. I would have to see where that person's coming from. What color spectrum do I see in that person? You mentioned the word spectrum a little while ago. I would have to see what color spectrum is depending on how I can now ease into that conversation. Because that's a difficult conversation to put to him. Brother Evans said, hey, I'm gonna play fire with fire. And in some cases that works. And in some cases it doesn't because sometimes that, that person can go back and do bodily harm to the person that put, the, put them out there. Just by a sense of thing that you must have spoke to somebody. I've had that happen. You know, you must have spoken to somebody. Well, no, you know, because they take it upon nobody would know me because they're that smooth, they're that savvy. No one would be able to peep me. So you have to now really look into how you're going to approach both parties. And especially the, the woman in this case, especially the woman. Because you want to make sure at all at all moments that she is safe, that your intervention does not cause this problem to become worse than it ever was. So you want to make sure you're walking on eggshells as you move to speaking to that to that that individual. Now, if that person has an assistic personality and has been that way all their life, that's kind of hard to change. And if something dramatic happens to that individual. Because as far as that person is, is, is concerned, this is the way of life. So now the, the question is, can I extract that female from that relationship? So I would be going in to save. If I can't save him, if I can't get him to see it, I'm going in to save her and see if I can extract her from that situation. Once again, I grew up in Bed-Stuy and I grew up with the when they were selling, uh, when the women were selling themselves on most of the popular corners that we hang out on and, and you see the taverns out there up and down Bed-Stuy. And I've had situations where I've actually had to go out there and speak to sisters who I grew up with that, were, that belonged to a stable and speak to them about coming off those streets. I remember being put into the back of a car by some of the, uh, the gentlemen, so to speak, and threatened that I was uh, interrupting their, their livelihood. But once again, I was pretty well known even at that time. So I was able to get by that and still wind up saving a few of the sisters that were out there, not all of them, some of them actually died. So my thing is to educate those women to trying to find a better life, pull yourself away. And if it's children, I think Brother Watson said earlier, even if you have kids, sometimes you got to step away. You have to step away with your children, everything to save not only yourself, but your family. So my approach to a narcissistic person. Um, a mental person. A mental. A me or, or a mental person. Once again, a mental person, I go back again to, they need to see someone. They need to sit on somebody's couch, you know, and try to figure it out. What's happening with you? Because once again, that's not my forte, but I've been around long enough to be able to identify it. And when you ask that question, how do you see it? 
You can see it in personality. You can see it in the fear of their, of their significant other. Some people are afraid to talk in, in, in association. Matter of fact, the brothers and I have had a, an associate that we felt had that kind of control of his significant other. And it was interesting because when you saw them, you can see the, the fear in his significant other's face. They, they since have separated, and it was interesting how they separated, but uh, um, you see that in that particular person even today. You know, that's just their personality until they run into someone who has that same strength. And then they wind up backing, backing down, as, as Brother Evans said, now they don't know which way to go. And that other person who has that same strength does not necessarily have to be a male. It could be a female, just mm -hmm. strong in her own foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I've seen that, witnessed it, but that's how I would approach it. And as, my, as I as say, having sons, I'm always speaking to him or attempting to speak to them and, and to get them to understand the balance of, of life. I truly believe what goes around comes around. You know, and, and if you put that out, expect it to come back, you don't know when, you don't even know how. Learn to be calmer in your approach to people and in your life. So once again, I, I would say we teach by example. Um, having watched my brother Evans and his family being a single dad and raising his kids, male and female, has always inspired me when I sit back and we have conversations because I see the, that foundation that he has built around his family with his, with his, uh, his children, both male and female. And it's, it's, it's awe-inspiring. You know, myself, um, the rest of the brothers on this call, you know, uh, this is why we tend to be so, so tight, a tight knit group of brothers, because we both have the same, we all have the same vision and understanding. And we go into it. We go into it. And, and once again, we're, none of us are narcissist, narcissistic, so to speak, <laughs> I don't have to say that, but, but we definitely go understand at the end of it, we say, you know something, I thought about it. And, and I can see the change. I can see the difference. Now, if we can do that outside, oh, wow, we've accomplished some amazing things if we can do that. And that's what that, I think that's what we're attempting to do. The floor is back to you, Ms. Brown. Yes, um, I definitely agree. Um, tonight has been a wonderful night, the second session. Um, one of the things I like to put out there, and then I want just an overall input. We talked about, I've expressed how abuse come about the various type of abuse, because even though it's common, a lot of people don't think about it, especially if they're not in it and it depends on what side they're on, whether they're the abuser or the abusee or depends. And not everything can be black and white is very cut and dry. So with our discussion today, do you fellas, gentlemen, walk away with a different insight or more in tune or more emotionally, mentally available to look out for these situations? Tell me what have these podcasts, one and two, what have it done for you in the sense of awareness and how you're going to go out into the world? Can I be real short on the first answer? Yeah, real short. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, what we're doing right here is what we do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every day of the week. We used to do it every day of the week. We went to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. What we're doing now is what you are doing is allowing us to be exposed to, to the world, so to speak, on our thoughts and the question that you've asked. Because these questions we ask among ourselves, like I said, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we ponder these things among our own relationships and among our lives and around the people we come in contact with. The floor is back to you, man. Okay. Who we'll, we'll want to throw in, based on what I've just asked, how have it given you more insight from a female perspective, someone who works with survivors of domestic violence? And if it have, are you more prepared to go out and interact with survivors and abusers? I like to answer that question for you. I've always interacted, but it, it, uh, I, I say it's given me, I want to say an increased sense of awareness because I've always been aware, but it's trying to be more diligent. And when I see it, and uh, it just made me um, realize I had a conversation with a sister a couple of weeks ago that was going through the same thing. She's, uh, she met a, a, not, a narcissistic person. and uh, But we're not going to get into that. But it makes me more of aware. And I will continue to do what I do. And just like, um, not to piggyback on what Brother Ron, we've been doing this for a long time, five days a week. And it's supposed to be a one-hour session. Sometimes we're going to three hours <laughs> on a daily basis. But i just like to thank you for bringing this forum to us. And uh, uh, you will have us back again. <laughs> I will. It's going to be four hours the next time. <laughs> thank you so much, my sister. You're welcome, my dear. This so. is... Uh... This is Jason Modis here. Definitely um, bringing the, the you, you know, you're bringing this to the forefront. So it makes you think about something that sometimes you may just, you hear about it, but you, you've never really given it a lot of thought. But now that it's, it's, it's the forefront, the topic is right in front of you. And now hearing the different perspective from each one of us, because everyone's different. Mm -hmm. You know, but like Brother Ron said, this is what we do. We analyze, deconstruct, break it down, argue, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's good because now you know how to address things from multiple vantage points when you do come across it, not having that one track mind, you know, especially when you, you, you basically know someone even if you haven't been through it yourself, but now you know someone who's been through it and you hear their story. Hearing their story is a big thing. And uh, I think it just it sparks that creativity. It, it helps you to deal with the situation when you do come across it from both, both points of view, victim and abuser. Back to you. Okay. Spencer? Well, for me, you know, it just confirms a lot of stuff, you know, of that I have learned. And like I said before, I've been all over the world talking to different, I'm just going to say women, about women things. Because myself, I have two daughters and I was a single parent. 
both of my daughters went through some, some similar things that I had to handle. I'm not in jail, but they went through some similar things. So for me to get the experience to speak to them about everything since they was little, and I've been a single parent with my daughters, you know, it gives me insight on how I could speak to them, you know, and have comfortable conversations with my daughters, but speaking to women in different, like I said, neighborhoods, states, and countries about women issues and such as this conversation we had. And like I said, it's to a point where with my daughters, you know, the conversation that we have still to this day, and they're older women now in their 30s, you know, and not to be you know, disrespectful, my daughters can come to me and say, Dad, it's that time of the month. Can you rub my stomach for me? Dad, you know, something's going on with my body. Look, because these are the conversations we had growing up and the situation they're being and me being that that go-to guy is like, that's my guy right there. So we can have conversations, anything. And like I said, for me talking to women like you with experience and different things like that, I absorb that where I can have conversations with my daughter and other people that I speak to to this day. Thank you. You're welcome. Eric? Thank you, gentlemen, for your comments. And, and, and Ms. Brown, thank you so much for allowing uh, the seed of a crisis that you've gone through to be the first place of showing people, as we have on this podcast, on how to learn how to love ourselves and show us how to be able to assist other people in learning how to love themselves. It's a good call. It's a good topic. Uh, may your work continue. And uh, looking forward for the next podcast. Oh, there will be another one. There will be another one, definitely. I would like to thank everyone. And I hope um, our conversation of enlightened, because I have learned, because I've always feel that everyone has something to say and something of value. You know, the world is not built in one lens. It's a multiple dimension with multiple personality, multiple insight. We are DNA of DNAs and all those DNA have different makeup and different thought process, different environments. So when you have all these different people, an umbrella, abuse fall under one big umbrella, but under that umbrella, the only, per, only thing we have in common, and I tell survivors all the time, the only thing you have in common as a survivor is just the title. Your situation journey is different. And one of the things I've always asked people when a survivor speak, listen non-judgmental. At times people get annoyed and short patient with people in situation because you see danger, they see danger, but yes and still they don't believe. As so a victim cannot express the pillow talk. They can't express their abuser, the look that abuser give them to know that you tried to leave, I will kill you. Because the most dangerous point for a victim is when they try to leave. And that's the thing that everyone asks them to do is to leave, not realizing that's the most critical time for them. 
And it's very easy to give advice and listen. But when they leave, there's no one there to walk with them that journey because we all have lives. We all have family and no one can drop their family to aside to assist someone on a day-to-day -day basis because when their abuser is mental or a narcissist or whatever it might be, decide to make that person their gold in life to pursue them. There's no end. And so therefore, whoever asks them to leave cannot drop and make them a goal. So one of the things that I ask people to keep in mind, it's easy to say and to tell a person or suggest the best way to do things. There's no right and wrong. The person who knows the best is the victim. They know their abuser better than anybody. And sometimes they know it might take them five years to plan to get out and get away forever. Sometimes because they have their own trauma, they stay longer. But whatever their reason is for staying is not that cut and dry to leave. So I ask everyone, the best thing you can do for a victim is to be patient with them and listen to them non-judgmental. Do not judge them. Do them make them feel uncomfortable because what you have done is shut them down in sharing. Listen patiently because if you give them the tools, they might not use it today, but they will use it tomorrow or maybe next year. But let them know that there's somebody there when they are ready to walk away, there's somebody there to assist in some capacity. Give them the strength to know that when they're ready, they can walk away. Because one thing I teach victim is building that network and that support system. That network and support system come from the people they'll share their information with. That won't push them, but let them know when you decide to leave, I'm here for you. When you decide to talk, I'm here to listen. And once they gain that trust, your words are golden, are golden to them. Your words and your input are taken deep and they will respond to it. So um, I hope all of this will help you gentlemen as you go out there and meet somebody who you know should be leaving. They know they should be leaving, but for some reason they can't leave. There's more to it. It's not that cut and dry. I hope that you will take the time and realize, you know, something, I'm going to step back a little bit, but I'm going to be available and not judge because it's not that cut and dry. And I thank you all so much for participating. I do want to have another podcast, maybe with women next time. We can join force to have that conversation just in general. There's never really no questions. I don't like giving questions. I like it to be organically happen. And once again, I appreciate y'all for participating with me and we're gonna wrap it up. So I want to remind everyone, remember self-love and self-care with positive affirmation is feeding one mind, body and soul. Remember you are worthy of all good things that come your way and I have a podcast, um, Self-Discovery, and I want y'all gentlemen to listen to something on my podcast. I have a 
episode. I don't remember the episode, but it's called Can I Change? I interviewed this gentleman who was an abuser and he have turned around. I met him and his wife at a conference. And when he told me, for some reason he came to me and decided to share. And when he told me that he used to abuse his wife, it didn't get completely physical, but he abused her in every other way. When I met his wife, I decided to observe just to see what the connection, how they interact for myself. And after I listened to them and I said, how they interact over the past four days, because we were together over four days. Then I asked him, can I interview? And listen to his podcast, you find it interesting. Very few I can find guys who have been abused or have changed to actually interview. And I was, it was a very good interview, there's a part one and two. So I think you find that very interesting. Also, um, I'm also looking for guys who have been abused. Um, my podcast, when it comes to victim, it's anonymous. Um, you come anywhere you are. The only policy I have on my podcast is a safe space. We do not call out the abuser. It's not about them. The person doesn't have to use their name. They can use another name if they choose to. And I respect what they say that I allow them to share their story in any capacity they want. So if you know anyone who would like to share their story, especially a guy, because there's so many guys out there who have been abused, but is so scared to come forward of being shamed. And a lot of them are still trying to heal because they've been told a woman should not be able to abuse them because they're a man, they're physically stronger. And sometimes, once again, abuse is not about strength, it's about power and control, and that can be a mind game. So um, if you know anything out there, let me know. So ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the podcast, and we will see you again. And you can reach me on Survivor, EmpowerLifeCoachFinancial.com, Facebook, Survivor, Empowered, Life Coach Financial, and on Facebook. So. Everyone, have a good night, and thank you again for participating.